batteries in. Gang, I'm glad you're here this morning. I want you to take your Bible and go with me to Revelation chapter 3. Put your backpack on and let's begin a walk, 30, uh, 28 miles from Sardis where we were last week. And we're going to go to a town called Philadelphia, okay? We're going to be in Revelation chapter 3 beginning verse 7 and uh, let me just kind of tell you, out of all the churches in the Revelation, all of these seven letters, none of the churches, none of the letters more are important or connect better than this letter for Indian Springs. Jesus has some challenging words to all of the churches. Today's a little different. And I have to tell you, as I studied it, as I tried to put thoughts together as I tried to bring out, lift out some, some applications. i tell you what I found myself thinking. Out of all of the letters to all the churches, I think this is the letter that fits us more than any of them, okay? And I have to tell you, it's kind of refreshing. I mentioned to you that as you study the letters, they, they seem to be going in a downward spiral, don't they? They, they seem to move from the, the majority that's for God to the majority that's against God. It seems that wickedness continues to grow more and more and more. By the way, that's why some feel like these letters are ages of time in the church age. You know what the church age is? The church age began the moment that Jesus ascended to the Father, and it will end when Jesus comes back, called the rapture. Now, whether you believe Jesus is coming back at the beginning of the tribulation, at the mid part of the tribulation, or the end of the tribulation, is really not the issue here. What we know is that Jesus is coming back. Isn't that right? Well, this period of time between the ascension of our Lord to the return of the Lord is known as the church age, okay? And I've mentioned to you in our study that that many theologians believe that these letters represent ages of the church to the coming back of Christ. Now, I don't hold to that, but I understand it. I see the logic of that. The church in Philadelphia, this letter we're going to look at today, if if they're right, then it would be the letter that deals with the great awakenings that our world had in the 18th and 19th century, the age of Whitfield and Wesley, excuse me, Wesley, when God woke up Britain and God woke up America, those kind of ages, okay? Of course, that would lead to the last letter, which we're going to deal with next week, which would be the Laodicean age, which they would say is the very wicked, wicked age that leads up to the return of the Lord Jesus, okay? I don't know about all that. What I know is that when I studied, I thought, instead of the letter to the church at Philadelphia, this ought to be the letter to the church at Indian Springs Baptist Church. I believe that, okay? What's cool to me 
is that in this spiraling down or in this increasing darkness, we have a church that stands against the flow. We have a church that stands out and says, we will serve the Lord. Jesus offers no condemnation to this church, only encouragement. Maybe I'm a little prejudiced about Indian Springs. Okay, I, I accept that. He uh, doesn't call the church to repent. He tells the church to hold fast so they won't lose their crown. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think we need to do some repenting, okay? But let me just tell you, when I read the letter, and as we work through the letter, what excites me is that this church was a church of incredible opportunity. And that's what I see with us. I, I told the early service... Uh, that, that I don't know that I've ever been, I, this, we've passed our 17th year here. And gang, I don't know that I've ever been more excited about the potential of a church, more excited about the opportunities that we have, the opportunities that God's going to bring. I'm going to bring a little bit of that out as I just kind of talk to you today. We're, we're the Philadelphian church, if you will, that have incredible opportunities because God is opening and has opened and is opening doors for us. I believe he's assembling a people to get it done. I believe he's giving us ability to get it done. I believe we have a staff that can get it done. I believe we have the spirit of the people that can get it done. I believe we have abilities within our faith family that can get it done. And God is going to, I believe, give us opportunity to do that. I understand other there are probably other pastors today standing in their pulpit saying that their church is, is the church with the best opportunity. Well, they're wrong. Uh, now, all of us should feel that way. I understand. But I want to tell you, gang, in my tenure, I feel younger today than I did 10 years ago. And what makes me feel energetic is the opportunity that you have and the opportunity that I have to really get in on what God wants to do. Now, there's some challenges with that that I'll talk to you about, but I believe that with, with all of my heart, without a doubt, this letter is going to describe a church, the church of opportunity, the missionary church, the church of the open door. Okay, Would you stand in honor of God's Word and... Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, and uh, let's see what he has. We got some mail here. Let's check our email, check our inbox. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and he shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Remember, he says that to every church, doesn't he? I know. He says, I know to every church. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Why did he do that? Because you have a little power. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. 
Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them to come and bow down at your feet. I will make them know that I have loved you. I, I just, this morning as I was reading back through the scripture, that's the first time I actually saw that phrase. I will make them, who? The lost people. Those who think they got it right with God but don't. I'll make them know I've loved you. Isn't that, isn't that what we want people to know? The lost people to know? The lost people of Saline County to know? That there's something about us that makes them think and know that God loves us? Don't you want people to know that God loves you? Yeah. See, I didn't ever saw that till this morning. I should just preach on that maybe. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world. That's, some people say that's the rapture. To test those who dwell on earth. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore. I will write his name, the, the name of my God, on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and my new name. Then he says, he who has an ear. In other words, does he have our attention? Okay, that's what we talked about a minute ago. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. His Father... I pray today that this sweet faith family of Indian Springs are paying attention. Not to a preacher in the words that he'll fumbly try to get through. But that we're listening for, paying attention to the Holy Spirit of God. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks. Be seated. Let me just kind of keep your Bible open there with me. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of introduction, maybe a little historical information to help you tie some of the words that Jesus uses here to the church. Philadelphia got her name because a king built a city in honor of his brother. He loved his brother, so he named it Philadelphia. It means brother love or city of brotherly love. Okay, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, we have Arkadelphia. Those are terms for love that relate to certain towns, okay? A couple of things I thought were pretty important um, that marked the city and, and reflected in the letter. The, the Imperial Road, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term Pax Romana, but that's the Imperial Road from Rome Ro uh, ran right through Philadelphia. So the town became, while it's an insignificant town, a small town and insignificant uh, with, with regard to the world, the, the main road went right through it. So it had some significance of commerce, okay? And because of that road going through it, it was called the gateway to the east. I think that's why the symbolism of the key, the symbol of the, symbolism of the door is reflected here, okay? Uh, the founders intended her to be a, a center of Greek culture and language, a missionary outpost, if you will, for the spreading of Greek language. That's some of the terminology that connects to the words of Jesus. Even more important, I think, is that Philadelphia was also near the center of volcanic activity. 
And so when you look at verse 12 and you read about the pillars, that's pretty important to what Jesus is saying. Okay? In fact, there was so much volcanic activity. One of the historians said, called it the city full of earthquakes. And what's kind of interesting was the people in Philadelphia lived in fear because there were so many earthquakes. In fact, there was an earthquake that leveled the town. And so they lived, those that lived in the city lived in fear, and it was so fearful for them, many of them moved outside the walls because they were afraid the pillars would come down on them. So they lived outside the town in huts. And so verse 12, if you look at verse 12, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. When Jesus said that to the church, it immediately resonated with them. And it brought words of security. And what I want to do at the end of uh, of my, my, my lesson today is I want to leave you, Indian Springs, with some words of security. We don't have to fear the onslaught of evil. We don't have to fear the onslaught of darkness. The church has always lived in darkness. We don't have to fear what we sense, the coming storm of persecution. The church has always lived in persecution. But the children of the living God, are secure in who they are because we're secure in whose we are. And that's what these pillars, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's what these pillars kind of represent. It's security for them. And I want you today, when you leave out of here today, I want you to go out, those of you that know Christ, those of you that are assured of your salvation, those that have no question about where you spend eternity. I want you to go out today secure in your faith. And faith means confidence. I want you to go out confident in who you are and confident in the world in which we live because we are the victor. We're the overcomers that Jesus talks about here, okay? Now, when I studied the letter, three words jumped out at me and these are the words we're going to look at today. The word key in verse 7 uh, is, is, carries the idea of authority. We're going to talk about authority. Uh, good to know that, that Jesus is the one in authority. He's the key. That's an idiom we use. Who's got the keys? Daddy's got the keys. Why? Because daddy's got the authority. You remember your kids growing up? I do. Jeff got his license. He come bopping in, think like he's King Kong. He said, hey, Pop, I need the keys. I said, over my dead body, boy. Who's, who's got the key? The man in authority's got the key. Well, Jesus has got that, okay? Verse 8 is the door. Okay, In fact, we're going to actually start verse 8. Uh, door is opportunity. He says, I've given you an open door. I think he says that to us. And then, of course, pillar, verse 12, security. Okay. Well, I want to begin in verse 8, the door. Uh, because I, I think that sets the stage for the key. The, the, of course, door is door of opportunity. What's a door? It's an entranceway, right? I mean, it lets people in, it lets people out, keeps people out. Jesus told this church that they had an open door which nobody could shut because they were faithful. Did you catch that? They had an open door. Nobody could shut that door because they were faithful and God honored their faithfulness. That applies to this entity called Indian Springs, but it applies to this entity called Indian Springs because it must apply to each particular individual. 
If there's going to be opportunity for us as a faith family to do things that God wants us to do, it's only going to be because you are faithful and you can do what God wants you to do. And as you are faithful and as you do what God wants you to do, then we as an entity can do what God wants us to do. You understand that? That's critical. If the door is open and we're not going through it because we're not being faithful, gang, we're not going to ever accomplish we may have a sweet spirit. We might sing some good songs. We might endure some rambling sermons. But we'll never accomplish what God wants us to do unless we do it by faith. So in a sense, a door is, has got boundaries. When it's open, you go through. When it's shut, you don't. What are the boundaries? What are these opportunities? Well, it could be time. The Bible talks an awful lot about seasons of time, right? There's a season to plant. Season to water, there's seasons in life, there's seasons in a church. And so maybe the open door that he gave them, maybe the open door that he's given us is this season of time that he gives to us as a faith family to charge through and do the things that he wants us to do. Maybe it's, it's energy. One of the things I'm learning as I get older is that in the evenings, my energy isn't what it was before. You ever noticed that, you gray hair? Dale, you got gray hair. You notice what I'm talking about? I've been trying to do some honeydews around the house before the fall hits, and we get really, really busy. And so I went out and power washed the back deck, power washed the front deck, and, and taped off them with paint the railings. I tell you, Saturday, Friday, not Friday evening, I, I couldn't even bend over and touch my, nose, uh, my, toe, my knees. I can't get it out. I'm already tired, you know? You know? Energy. A church can't always have all the energy. How many of you watch the Tour de France? Two people. Hey. <laughs> you and me. Do you know, you know this, Rich. Those guys train all year long so that in a 17-day period, they'll be at their peak. Why? They know they don't have energy to do every race the best. They gear to the Tour de France. Church has seasons of time, but seasons of energy. There's times when it works. One of the reasons we kick back some in the summer a little bit is not because we don't want to have church. It's because we know that people are on vacation, their minds get divided. We're gearing up already for August 18. That's kind of our kickoff. Wednesday and August 21st, I think, is the discipleship you kicking back off. We're gearing in staff toward that Wednesday night when Awanas and uh, 1010 and the preteen and the adults kick back off. Why? Because there's energy then people are coming home, vacations are over. It could be the opportunity of ability. Let me just tell you, guys, for so long, there's things that I've wanted to do here that we couldn't do because we just didn't have all of the abilities. But I want to tell you, we can do any, we got teachers that are really good. We have a staff that's really good. We even got some deacons that are marginally good, you know? I mean, we're at, we're at the place where God is giving us some abilities to do some things, you know? And, and so I, I, that's what I think is happening at this church. He's trying to let them know they have abilities. Let me tell you a story. I, I, sh I shared this in the first service, and, and I'll share with you uh, I got in a conversation with Paul Sanders. Paul 
was the pastor of Geyer Springs for years gone by. And I want to make a uh, thing. If, I, if, he, if he finds out and I said it, uh, just tell him I'm sorry and I can outrun him. He's older than me. But I want to tell you, he said something to me very important. And, and I just want to share my heart. I, when I came a little over 17 years ago, I, um, I, I felt the pressure of Geyer Springs coming out. First Southern was doing really well. Praise God for that. Geyer Springs was in South Little Rock. And they moved out. And, you know, I want to tell you, gang, as a preacher, they're a great church. Amen? Great church. Does great work. And Paul's a man of God. And they moved out. And I felt the pressure. I thought, oh, gee, everybody's going to go there, you know? I mean, I can give them some names if they want to some, but a lot of people are going to go there, you know? I thought, oh, gee. Well, uh, months later, I was with Brother Paul, and, and well, what a godly man. And we were talking about the move out, and he, he just told me, he said, you know, God, and he didn't use the word door, but he used the word window. He said, God gave us a window that I knew we had to go through. If we missed it, then we wouldn't be as functional, we wouldn't be able to do what God wanted us to do. You follow what? And he told me how hard it was. He said, Tom, I, some of the people that I pastored, almost all of my tenure there were angry at me. They were upset with me. Many of my, my best friends left. But he said, I knew that is what I had to do. He, God gave us this window, if you allow me, this door to go through. And Brother Paul was convinced, I think rightly so, that if they didn't, they would have missed that moment. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to the church at, at, at Philadelphia. How long does God leave the doors open? I don't know. Beloved, that's his business. Our responsibility is to take advantage of it when it's open, okay? Now, I want you to notice in beginning uh, verse 8 that, that when you read this, you might think, well, this church couldn't do anything. Look at the limits that are there, you know? But he says to them, the doors are open because of their faithfulness in the midst of challenges. Verse 8 says they only had a little power or a little strength. Now, that might mean they were small in numbers. It might mean that they were made up of lower class of people in society, financially. It might mean that they had little influence. Beloved, none of that matters to God. Because they were faithful, God gave them opportunity. These dear weak people kept the word. They didn't deny his name. They stood against the Jewish element who thought they had an inside track with God. God Jesus calls them the synagogue of Satan. They were so faithful in the persecution. The Bible says they kept the word of his perseverance. And they were so good at it, some of the Jews even came and bowed down and confessed Christ. Now listen to me. Get this. No church has to be the biggest to be used by God. No church has to be the richest to be used by God. No church has to be socially most popular to be used by God, are the most influential to accomplish the things from God. 
But that church, that group of people must be the most faithful they can be to be used of God. That's why I said earlier, and that's why unashamedly with boldness, I say to you, every morning when you get up, every morning when you look into the mirror, you should ask yourself, am I faithful to the call of God in my life? And does my faith family, Indian Springs Baptist Church, know it? If you can say, yes, I am then you ought to get up and jump up and down and do some happy hallelujahs. But if you can say, or if you say, no, I'm not, then I think you ought to get on your face before God and say, you know, I need it in my life. My family needs it in her life. And my church needs it in their life. We don't have to be the biggest or the richest. We don't have the biggest and the baddest. But I'll tell you what we must be. We must be the most faithful, or at least the most faithful that we can be. And so that's the door. It's a door of opportunity to go through for those who are faithful. Okay? Now let's back up. Let's go back to verse 7, and let's talk about the key. Okay? And like I said, well, let's read verse 7. Um, and, and let me just mention to you, in all of the other descriptions of Jesus and all the letters, they've been out of a vision that John had. There's no vision here. Jesus just states very clearly who he is, what he does. I am holy. That's who I am. I am true. That's what I do. And he says, I have the key. Now, as I said, everybody, anyone who has a key has the power, right? Has the authority. Uh, our church, we have keys everywhere. We have not keys. We have, now we have codes, you know. And uh, uh, when we started installing the codes, uh, some people got upset because they, everybody had a key. I don't know if you knew it, but if you wanted to key to Indian Springs, all you had to do was go to Walmart. They had it on a wall, you know. And things, people were coming in and things were being shuffled around. I'm not saying things were missing. But, uh, and so we decided what we needed to do was change some of the security. And so we got this harebrained idea that we don't need keys, we need codes. Now you've got to remember like 20 codes are everywhere, you know. Some people got mad. You know what they one said? Well, what are you doing? Trying to keep people out? Well, not on Sunday. Just Monday through Saturday we don't want people here, you know. Well, it's because those who have the key, it's security. And whoever has the key or the code has authority, okay, without any doubt. What does Jesus say here? I got it. You see, I've got it. What I open, no one shuts. What I shut, no one opens. By the way, jot down Isaiah 22 and read that this week because it's where the reference is from, okay? Now, there's been some debate by theologians. What does that door refer to or what does the key refer to? It can refer to a lot of things. But when you study scriptures, one of the things you find out is that when there's a door of opportunity, uh, it generally refers to something that has to do with evangelism or, or service. Okay? That's what most theologians say. I don't know. What I know is this. Because the key in his, is in his hand, that we can't do anything till he opens the door, and we can't do anything if he shuts the door, 
And so the whole idea for me is, what is God doing with the keys? If the door is open, hello, let's go through. If the key locks the door oh, and we try to go through, guess what? We're going to get a bloody nose. So I think it would behoove us to say, God, what are the open doors that you're giving us to go through? By the way, do you understand, don't you, that nobody can be saved unless Jesus unlocks the door to your heart? you understand that? I mean, we get wigged out about this sovereignty of God thing. I, I don't know why people get wigged out, you know? What do they think? You're going to save yourself? Are you going to decide for God? Ain't nobody going to decide for God unless God first operates and works in their heart. You understand that? You know, the first convert in, in, in Europe was in Philippi, a lady from Thyatira. And the Bible says that, 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 that Paul came and began to share with her the word of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the gospel. Beloved, you can't, never will be saved until God opens your heart to respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to you and your good works. It doesn't belong to you and your, your idea that, that you're a member of a church. Don was talking to someone not long ago, and he didn't know them, and so he invited them to church. They said, well, we're members of Indian Springs, and and uh, Don had been here for like six months. He had never seen them. You, know? you don't go to heaven because you're on the roll of Indian Springs. You don't go to heaven because you're a good person. You don't go to heaven because you believe in religion. You don't go to heaven because of good deeds. You go to heaven because the Lord Jesus Christ unlocked the door of your heart so that you could respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And that response of the gospel is going to be reflected in the faith of your life, how you live your life. There's going to be a demonstration. There's going to be fruit so that people will know that God loves you. It's not that you just go to heaven. It's that when people look at your life, they know that something dramatic, transformational has happened in your life. That God loves you, and it's radically changed everything in your life. And if it hasn't radically changed everything in your life, then you ought to look in the mirror and ask yourself, I wonder if God has taken the key and unlocked my heart to respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Gang, let me tell you what I, I, I think. On that day, when all of history is summoned, there's going to be a great consternation as many will try and justify themselves to God. There's going to be some preachers up there said, wait a minute, God. I preached some wonderful messages. There's going to be some people say, wait a minute, God. I did some wonderful things. Wait a minute, God. I, 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 I. And he's going to respond, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Can I tell you today, there's only one that holds the key. And his name is holy. And his name is true. His name is Jesus. And you need to consider that as you evaluate your life. 
And you need to consider that as you evaluate where you're going to spend eternity, okay? Okay, one last thing. Look at verse 12. Here's what I want to close with. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. Remember I told you that, that many people wouldn't live in Philadelphia because of all the earthquakes. They lived outside, okay? Well, what Jesus says, listen, the, the safest place for them was to be outside. What Jesus is saying, the safest place to be is inside. And when you're inside, you'll never go out again. You'll never be a, you won't live in fear, and you'll never have to go out. What words of encouragement to the church? What words of security to Indian Springs faith family? Gang, when everything seems to be shaking, when the foundations seem to be rumbling, you remember, he who holds the key, authority. And he who opens the door, opportunity. Is he who establishes the pillars. And that's security. Okay? One said, when one preacher said, pilgrims in this life, will become pillars in the next life. Jesus gives one call to this church. And it's the same call I want to leave with you. Hold fast what you have. Hold fast what you got. Go through the door of opportunity that I unlock for you. Hold fast. No one's ever going to take your crown. He who holds the key has opened the door. How long it stays open, I don't know. That belongs to him. He's sovereign. This church functioned until about the mid-14th century. It was overrun by Muslims, and the door of the church was shut. That's God's business, okay? How long it stays open for us, I don't know, okay? But we shouldn't hesitate walk through it, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, even if it means more codes on locks, we ought to be willing to do it as long as it's day, as long as there's light, as long as the door remains open, you and I should be followers of the keeper of the keys. And I want to say to you, dear people, that's a personal decision. I'm kind of like, I feel like Joshua in his old age. You choose you this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. You, know? you don't have to be the baddest and you don't have to be the biggest, but you have to be the faithfulest. And that's what his call is for his church. That's what his call is to you. And you've got to deal with it. And the reason you do is because, first of all, it might address where you spend eternity. You've got to decide whether you're really in the wall or not. You've got to decide how you want to live it. Okay. Let's pray. Father, I love this letter. I love it because it's refreshing. I love it because it allows me to identify, connect with, what I think is before us. 
Lord, I wasn't blowing smoke. In all of my years, I've never been more excited about what we could do, what I hope we will do. But God, I know what it takes. It takes faith. It takes people unashamedly, without compromise, never denying your name, standing upon the word, and being faithful. And so, God, it, it, it's, it's up to us right here, right now, to decide where each of us are at here. And as we go, so goes this blessed fellowship. So today, Holy Spirit, I pray for conviction. I, I, I pray for encouragement. God, it's good to know that there's a door that has a lock on it and that Jesus has the key. It's good to know that while every foundation may be shaken, there's pillars that'll never crumble. And that's the pillar of faith in Christ alone. You've said that. We can believe it. And we can live it the way we're supposed to. So Holy Spirit today, perhaps there's a few here. Perhaps there's some struggles here. Perhaps there's some that just don't even know if they're going to be able to put their head above the water tomorrow. Maybe they're here. Spirit do what only the keeper of the key can do. For your glory, in Jesus' name.